Hello and welcome to Thermonuclear Takes. You know the story by now. We are going to be talking about news and we are going to be talking about it in a more loose and relaxed and less scripted way. Although, of course, there is still a script because it's me. Uh, and we'll be talking about some more financial news. So, again, if this isn't your sort of thing. Just skip this episode and wait for the next mainstream one. If it is the kind of thing you're interested in hearing about, though, welcome aboard. So, one of the things I want to talk about is that other major story in the financial markets over the last few weeks. This sort of relates to some of the bizarre and shocking bubble-like behaviour that we covered with our episodes on SoftBank and some other finance-related episodes. I almost didn't want to talk about this because it got so much coverage in the media that after a few days of seeing all the different takes floating around, which seemed to have various different levels of validity, I was sick to the back teeth of this story and reading about it, to be honest. But now the dust has settled at least a little bit. I think it was an interesting and illustrative learning moment for a lot of people about the sort of financial shenanigans that are recurring far more often than you might think. So I will discuss my thoughts on it very briefly here. And I'm talking, of course, about GameStop and Wall Street bets. So for those of you who don't know, a very brief recap of this story. GameStop is a video games retailer in the midst of a pandemic, precisely the kind of business that you might expect to do very badly. However, some traders on the online forum Wall Street Bets felt differently and made an investment case for the company. It was at that point when they were starting to talk about how the company's fortunes might be picking up because it had a new uh, executive on its board, I think, that they noticed that the company was being heavily short-sold. In case you didn't watch The Big Short, short-selling a stock is essentially betting that its price will go down. You do this by selling a contract that obliges you to buy a stock at a given date. You might sell the contract for, say, $20. If the stock price goes down to 15 in that time, then you've made $5 on the trade overall. Large hedge funds had taken out a substantial short position on GameStop. In fact, they had shorted more shares of the stock than were being sold. I didn't know that was possible before this, but apparently it is. But what can happen when a stock is shorted is something called a short squeeze. See, the problem is the more the price goes up, the more money the shorters stand to lose, as they're obliged to buy the stock at a certain date, right, for whatever the price is. They're betting on it going down, so they lose money when it goes up. If the price does start to go up, the shorters will be desperate to buy stock so that they can cover their short position, because every second the price goes up, they're losing more and more money because they're obliged to buy the stock at a higher and higher price. As a result, they're forced to buy the stocks regardless of whether they want to or not. Then everyone is buying the stock at once. The longs, who think that it will go up in value, and the shorts, who think that it will go down in value, but are now being squeezed by the short squeeze. And when this happens, because everyone is buying the stock at once, there's only one direction that the price pressure is going. Everyone wants it, and so the price can skyrocket. What happened here was that the Wall Street Bets forum actually realised that if they all collectively bought into this stock, they could actually trigger a short squeeze like this, and they could force uh, the people who were shorting this stock to buy it and drive up its price massively. And... Once they realised that they could do this, it became a meme, with more and more people intentionally buying the stock to drive up its price. The result was that the stock price increased from $15 to nearly $400 over the course of just three weeks, with absolutely nothing underlying, really, that changed about the company. And there was a great deal of chaos in the financial markets as a result. At one stage, Robinhood, which is a popular app for retail traders, that is sort of ordinary people who put their money into the stock market, uh, it was forced to suspend its trading. Um basically because they couldn't fulfil the demand to do so, and they couldn't actually you know, physically execute all of the trades on the stock that they wanted to. Um, some people felt this was a conspiracy, but it seems like it genuinely was just a technical limitation um, for them. And that was met with outcry and uh, 
fed conspiracy theories about how they'd been stopped uh, for doing this because the the GameStop activity was uh, wrecking the financial markets or whatever. And it, now <laughs> the US Congress has responded, and many of these random posters on this forum are being hauled before Congress who are trying to investigate precisely what went on. So this was an incredible spectacle, and everyone was talking about it, and there were an awful lot of hot takes. You know, some finance guys were outraged, saying that this was blatant market manipulation, which was unfair on other traders, or that it was vindictive, that traders were trying to destroy a hedge fund which had taken out this big short position. Some people were saying that, you know, the shorting is good because the price of the stock was going to go down, and that it's, you know, allowing price discovery to take place in the market, and of course we have this underlying ideology that the uh, the world should be run according to different markets and uh, in different ways that we can discover the prices of different things. Um, everything should be a market and the market is all-knowing and all-wise and short-selling is part of that because it allows people to, uh, well, influence things that they think the price is going to go down, basically. I don't know. But they were sort of mad that um, there was this rage against short-sellers. On the other hand, you know, some people tried to portray this as a story of the little guy taking on Wall Street and winning, having destroyed a hedge fund and made themselves lots of money by pumping up this irrelevant stock. Some people worried that the phenomenon of stocks being traded on Robinhood would destroy the ability of the stock market to allocate value. Um, (laughs) I'm sure if you've been listening to the things that, that I've been saying for a long time, the idea that the stock market has been a wonderful allocator of value to companies that are genuinely worth what they, they say they're worth. That's not been true for a very, very long time. Um, this is just really the most egregious and uh, most naked and most obvious and perhaps most self-aware uh, manifestation of what you might call the meme economy. Um, but, but that's my view anyway. But yeah, some people were saying, oh no, all these Robinhood traders are ruining our perfect stock market, which is great at allocating value because people are just uh, buying based on hype and not on fundamentals or whatever. Yeah, and then some people like Elon Musk, who you know is no stranger to manipulating stock prices on social media, allegedly, having essentially allegedly attempted to do that with Tesla's share price by tweeting he was about to sell the company for $420 a share, you know, without any evidence. He also piled in to hype various things up. And, you know, there's this nexus, right? This is a Reddit forum. Elon Musk has lots of fans on Reddit. So this just added to the chaos and the carnage and the spectacle and the people who were talking about this. And uh, it was it was quite a show for a while. So, um, yeah, you can read thousands and thousands of articles about this, but I thought I would tell you what I think. I mean, my main thoughts on this are, you know, one, the finance guys who claim this is somehow some unholy or unprecedented perversion of the market that's never been seen before should lay off their sanctimony, frankly. There is a certain type of economist and analyst who actually thinks, or at least pretends to think, that stocks and their valuations are still assigning money towards companies based on how successful they are, or how likely they are to succeed, or how much money they're making, or whatever. But in most of these places, especially in the sort of very hyped-up sectors, um, it's a beauty contest, just like Keynes said. And people are just as often buying stocks in this sort of Ponzi-like hope of making money by selling them to someone else, as they are because they think the company is actually worth what they pay for it. This means that there's only ever really a loose correlation between how well a business is doing and its share price. As we've said, this is the age of SPAC companies now. You know, people are buying shares in things. It's a company where you don't even know what the business is in or what they're selling or what business it's going to be. Um, but you buy it just so that you can sort of, you're giving someone essentially a pool of cash. You're buying shares in a company um, and you don't know what the company is because they will go and take that money and buy a company with it. That's how a SPAC works. Um, so it's like a mystery gift. The amazing thing about a lot of these SPACs is that actually 
when it's revealed what company the uh, SPAC is buying, so the SPAC is this special purpose acquisition company, you buy shares in this company and it only exists to buy up a company that already exists, right, which is a private company, and uh, you take it public that way um, because your publicly owned SPAC buys up this private company. So it's a mystery gift because you don't know what they're going to buy exactly. They might give you some hints, but they won't tell you. Well, typically what people are finding is that sometimes when the SPAC actually makes a purchase, it's uh, the, the decline, there's a massive decline in the stock price. And I think this is a lovely illustration of how there's no cold, rational marketplace going on here, right? Um, it's, it's a reflection of human psychology. And we're all humans. We know the flaws of human psychology, don't we? We've had to live with ourselves for however long you've been alive, you know, and you've had to live with other people. You know the flaws of human psychology, and uh, one of the flaws of human psychology is that quite often you can be tempted, you know. There's that lottery ticket. It's generally worth a lot more before you scratch off the paper, right? It's generally worth a lot more when it has the potential, uh, when it has the excitement of the unknown. And then when you find out what it actually is, well, you're inevitably disappointed. Um, that, that's sort of just what's happening with, with SPACs, to be honest, um, in a lot of these cases. Where I think the idea of something um, is is often much better than the thing actually is in reality. And the anticipation of what it might be um, is much easier to hype up than the reality of the actual company as it actually exists. And it just shows how dominated all of this stuff is by, you know, emotion, hype, all of these things that we've talked about many times before. Um, and what you would call irrationality. I mean, one has to say that if you're one of these people who's still going to argue that what's happening here is people are rationally assessing what they think the company is going to be and uh, how they think the company is going to uh, make money in the future and all this sort of thing, then SPAC shouldn't exist, should they? Because that's someone making an investment in something where they have absolutely none of that information they need to make a rational decision. That's someone just picking up the mystery box. The only thing they know is the person who's running the SPAC. And so they're trusting them entirely um, that they are going to make a good investment. And what can I say? I mean, the finance people who are like, oh, all of these Reddit guys in this GameStop thing is... Uh, has broken the stock market and it's no longer allocating value properly and it's no longer doing what it's supposed to, they're just not appreciating that the fundamental nature of the stock market now is more about speculation than it is about actually assigning proper values to companies. And uh, I think it may have been that way for a long time, especially in these overhyped sectors. Maybe there are areas where it's not quite as bad, but certainly in the stuff that people talk about, <laughs> I mean, it's correlated with how much people are talking about it and not anything else. And it just so happens that at this point, um, the GameStop people who invested in this were self-aware and realised that they could do this and uh, manipulate hype in this way, in a very sort of meta, self-aware, almost ironic way. Um, and it's just a more egregious example of stuff that's already happened. But, you know, if share prices were based on much more on the fundamentals of a company and not how people feel about a stock, then or how, whether they feel it will go up or down in the future, what kind of bet they want to place, then I think so much of what we see would be totally different. And by the way, when we're talking about a stock going up or down, that's not really got that much to do with whether a company is going to do better or worse in the future. There are aspects of that, but 
in some cases, particularly with this GameStop, you know, at this at this point, it was very clear that people were just betting on whether they thought this number would go up or down. It had nothing to do with the number of video games that some video game company was going to sell. So, you know, that tells you a lot. And this, of course, is why the stock market has soared, even while some of the underlying businesses have suffered quite a bit during the pandemic. So when these people are buying a share, far more often they're not thinking, do I think this company is worth 10 billion, 20 billion, 30 billion, or could be in the future? They're just thinking, do I think I can sell this on to make more money to someone else? And in that sense, all of the guys who are buying the GameStop stock are not making some ridiculous, irrational decision which ruins your perfectly rational market, because the rational market never existed in the first place. Indeed, if you've seen a stock that's just doubled and the headlines are starting to hit the news, maybe it's a perfectly sensible decision to gamble and bet, yeah, this story still has time to grow, people still haven't heard about this, seems to be catching on, I think I'm in the uptrend here, I think, you know, it's gone from 15 to 60, but I think it can go to 400. And, you know, if, if, if you're right on that, then you you make money and it's it's not an irrational decision, so to speak. Um, it's just that it's playing a completely different game to the one that the people who are market fundamentalists who believe that the stock market is actually a good way of allocating value and capital to companies, um, you're playing a different game to the one that, that they think um, they're playing. You know, I mean, they they think they're betting on horses based on form and these guys are betting on horses based on which one has the, the funny name. You know, it's just a different game. Um, I suppose the difference being that in this case, the speed of the horse depends on how much money people have bet on it. But let's not get into that. That's why I don't do metaphors on the fly so often. The reality is, you know, that people are making a killing out of pure speculation, sophisticated forms of gambling that they have convinced everyone else is a necessary part of a fully functioning economy, and in many cases, due to the low rate of capital gains tax, their profits are taxed less than people's wages. So you're being taxed less for earning your money this way than you do for working for a living. And then you wonder why so little investment in productive capacity is actually taking place. Because that's part of the problem. In a system where the best way to get a return on your money is to gamble with it and try and use that money to make more money by propping up some asset, rather than investing in trying to make something new or do something new or pay people wages to make and do new things to build productive capacity, you know, if, if you're going to invest your money in opening up a factory that's going to make widgets and sell them to people or whatever it is that we expect the capitalists to do, you know... <laughs> If you know that you're more likely to make money by gambling it on the stock market or inflating some asset or something, or inflating some overhyped tech company that you know the price is going to go up because of all the hype that surrounds it, which is what happens with a lot of these soft bank companies, you know, those people are also looking for greater fools. Why else do these things collapse so frequently and so fast? But if you are motivated solely by profit, and this is the problem, again, it's the short-circuiting of the profit motive, right? Profit motive is supposed to make people do things in a way that's better or more efficient or more effective that people want to, you know, work to attain. But if you can short-circuit the profit motive by just generating profits from the money that you have by extracting rents in some cases or just by inflating asset prices, then you'll do that rather than building anything that makes sense. And if you can do it more easily through hype and convincing people that, you've got something better than you actually have rather than actually building the thing, then you'll do that. So, you know, I mean, we see this happen so often. So is it any surprise that so much effort and time is being diverted into this this nonsense? So, you know, you have to kind of spare me the outrage here that these Reddit traders might try to do this as well. 
They're only doing what everyone is being taught is the best way to make money, which is this Ponzi nonsense. And, you know, Wall Street people know that these stock prices aren't based on people carefully calculating the predicted or expected future value of a company or the dividends they'll get from the stock, weighing up options and risk and so on. That's why a lot of what they do now is so-called sentiment analysis. You get an algorithm which scrapes the internet for mentions of a stock and tries to figure out if people are talking about it positively or negatively. If lots of people seem to be excited about it, the algorithm thinks, oh yeah, this is hyped, people will probably buy it, and then they'll buy it too. And <laughs> it comes to the point where prices are being determined by the algorithms that are then being determined by the stuff they're reading, you know, so it, it, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, essentially. So yeah, I mean, this isn't the first time that billions of dollars have been traded, traded over things that are memes and posting and hype and just buzz around individual stocks. It's just that, you know, this is a dynamic that's happened since the tulip fever, since the South Sea bubble, to be honest. It's just that now the internet makes it quicker. And in this particular case, the Wall Street bets people were doing it in a very self-aware way. And in fact, I've seen a Wall Street guy literally complaining that people were publishing negative articles about a stock because the algorithms were picking up on these negative articles. And he called it a form of price manipulation that was unfair. The suggestion was that for every negative article, a website should also publish a positive one so that they're not manipulating the price, which I find hilarious. It's like, I'm not going to do my job and actually figure out whether I want to buy something or not. I want reality to be forced to conform to something my algorithm can interpret. You know, and I want to be able to judge things based on what people are posting on the internet. And I don't want that data polluted by people posting things on the internet. I mean, it's truly bizarre when you get to this stage. Um, but, you know, once I've made that attack on those people, I then also want to spin around and yell at the other people who think that what they're doing is some incredible attack on Wall Street and that it's some populist story of the little guy fighting against the hedge funds and the titans. Because you've got a lot of this, and this in itself is propaganda from the people on this forum. And it really isn't that either, you know. People love to use these stories of fighting against Wall Street and the big banks and big finance because people generally distrust things that are big banks and big finance and Wall Street, and why not? And the idea that this underdog forum could beat some anonymous uh, Death Star hedge fund that's an attractive concept. That's part of why this was such a popular story. And that, of course, is part of why people bought into the meme, because they felt like they were doing it um, rallying to a cause, so to speak. And that was a lot of the talk on this forum at the time. But this, too, is a very naive take. For a start, remember that uh, people got rich off these trades, but the stock market is one dollar, one vote, not one person, one vote. That's why leaving things to the market, um, rather than leaving things to the power of uh, governments, which are, at least in theory, democratic and should be controlled more according to a principle of one person, one vote. We know that in practice there's massive media apparatuses and so on and party political machines and uh, all sorts of things that try and move things closer to one dollar, one vote and not one person, one vote. But at least the democracy is supposed to be a bit closer to one person, one vote. Um, electoral college and everything aside, but whatever. You know, but the stock market is one dollar, one vote. That's how it works. And... Um, the people who got rich off these trades will have done so in proportion to the number of dollars they had. And the people who owned most of the GameStop stock who store, saw huge profits from this are, you know, their other hedge funds and investment management firms like BlackRock and so on. It's not going to be these little Reddit guys. It's going to be people who had most of the stocks to begin with. And that that is other firms, you know. So the other thing, of course, is that as soon as this happened, of course, their algorithms noticed and they noticed 
and they have the capacity to make these trades at any at any moment. So, you know, they jumped in on the short squeeze and they noticed it and exploited it and, and drove part of this themselves, you know. So the only difference is that the big hedge funds, they won't run into problems where their apps can't work or their Robinhood account shuts down and they can't execute trades because they're at work or on the toilet or something, you know. I mean, that doesn't happen to these people. So they tend to win in the stacked finance casino, especially when they can easily change prices by pumping money into or out of stocks and equities, as SoftBank itself did when we talked about them being the Nasdaq whale on an earlier episode. So this isn't really a case of the little guy taking down the big guy. This is the case of the little guy um, maybe firing a a slingshot at the big guy and then many other big guys coming along and... (laughs) feasting on the corpse of the big guy who's fallen over you know i mean they're the ones who've made most of the money and indeed you feel that if people have lost money a lot of the people who lost money will be people on this forum who bought in closer to the peak of hype and then couldn't sell in time or held on for too long or whatever um it's probably not going to be that many institutional investors that have lost a lot of money here um and perhaps not that much from this short uh being squeezed that has sort of bankrupted one hedge fund or partially bankrupted it. But the other thing you have to realise, of course, is that these Reddit guys, these forum guys, are not so innocent. And I do say guys, because you go there and, like, the toxic culture of masculinity is pretty pretty immense there. I'm sure there's some some women too, but, I mean, it's... uh, yeah, that's not to say that, <laughs> that there wouldn't be women in this sort of subculture or indeed trading stocks and so on, but, you know, probably it's fair to say overwhelmingly Reddit guys. Um, why are they hyping up the GameStop stock? You know, they're not so innocent. Why is everyone convincing and daring each other to buy it, posting about how much they love it, persuading others to do so, spinning this narrative that they're taking down an evil hedge fund, that they're reclaiming finance and investing for the little guy? You know, they're not intending to keep the stock forever, right? They want to pump up the price and sell it on to a bigger sucker who will lose money when the price collapses again. So, in essence, like in all pump-and-dump schemes, there's always a loser and you're trying not to be the loser and to have people to sell your stock onto who will lose money. So, you know, they're all kind of... They're not being motivated by some pure aim to win for the little guy and take down Wall Street and make money by robbing the wealthy. There's just as much intent here to scam each other um, and hope that uh, other people are foolish enough to believe the story that they're selling or that they will bet the other way and that they can get out in time when the price falls again so you know unfortunately it's very common to this kind of thing that everyone is kind of trying to scam each other and you know anyone who's followed stocks or any other speculative assets like cryptocurrencies which we'll talk about later they can tell you this kind of thing happens all the time indeed Famed and very crazed, bizarre software millionaire John McAfee used to pump the price of a different crypto every week on his Twitter. Of course, he was simply buying random coins, telling his gullible followers to buy them to create hype in a mini pump and dump scheme, hoping investors would rush in and he could sell as a profit. We've known for years now there are academic studies of it that groups on WhatsApp and Telegram intentionally pump up stocks and cryptocurrencies to make money on a regular basis. And, you know, this 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 is this has been known for a while that this can happen, particularly in these small cap stocks where it's easier to do, and these small cryptocurrencies where it's easier to do. So the main differences here were the fact that there was this big short sell they could exploit, which made this such a dramatic occurrence, and really just the scale of what happened, how much attention it got, making head news around the world and headline news around the world. And I think perhaps 
the realisation of the underlying cynicism of what was going on here. In other pump schemes, people pretend that they think the underlying asset is actually worth what they're encouraging you to buy it for. They might make ridiculous or ill-informed or vague cases about how this price is going to be £10 billion or whatever, but they will at least pretend that the investment makes sense as a thing to own. But in this case, it was nakedly cynical. It was like a decision where a bunch of people got together and said, let's pump up the value of a stock. Uh, It wasn't that much more cynical than a lot of what you've seen in cryptocurrencies. And I think that naked cynicism, the fact that everyone knew that they were kind of consciously engaging in an act of manipulation, was maybe what was unusual here. And in a weird way, the headlines were probably the most important aspect of this thing, because one interesting thing that did happen as a result of all this was that other stocks fell, and they're actually almost partially anti-correlated to the price of the GameStop stocks. So when GameStop goes up, other stock prices seem to fall, and this seems to be partially attributable to the spectacle of these shenanigans. And it's almost as if for a lot of people reading about this, the scales might have started to fall away from their eyes as they realised that There is no rational, perfect hand of the market that's allocating resources appropriately to companies that will succeed and punishing those that will fail. Instead, there's just this sort of insane, irrational bubbles being inflated everywhere, and it makes you doubt the valuation of other things that you might buy, and it makes you a little bit nervous about what's going on here, and whether there's a bubble, and there's just a lot of capital flowing around, controlled by people who can be influenced by memes and following other money and following trends and following buzz and not really looking too much in depth about whether they want to buy things that, you know, they're, they're not rational when they're buying uh, GameStop stock at a price that makes GameStop worth 50 times what it was worth yesterday. Um, and I think that scared people. And, you know, sometimes the line gets bored or overstimulated and excited and maybe this isn't the best place to put your money and uh, maybe this isn't the best and most productive use of everyone's time in the finest minds of our generation you know maybe the emperor doesn't have any clothes maybe much of what's going on is really just a bunch of people running various schemes with no substance in the hope that it will get them rich and i think seeing the gamestop thing actually caused these jitters and for a moment it maybe seemed like people would start to even if they didn't get to it on this fundamental level of analysis people might just start to think well this is all a bit crazy and irrational and uh, i don't really trust it um and then everyone went back to trying to make money from money again and make money out of thin air and without really having to do anything other than uh, betting on the right horse and that's that's pretty much where we are now. I mean, this price of this game company is still going up and down and there's still various waves of hype around it. It looks a little bit, the interesting thing is that the price graph now looks a little bit like a mini Bitcoin um, or you know other stocks that have been subject to pump and dump schemes. There's often, because people still residually remember the stock and uh, maybe the same people who pumped it before want to now do it again. Um, and so you get lots of little ripples that happen after this first one. It's sort of in that stage at the moment. And it's interesting to see whether this will ever happen again or whether it was a complete one-off um, or whether, you know, this same lightning in a bottle moment will be revisited in the future. Um, but as I think I've tried to explain here, I, I don't think this was necessarily that far away from stuff that happens all the time. Um, the only difference was in the scale, uh, the speed, which caused a lot of attention to be drawn to it, and the cynicism with which it was done, um, which was quite blatant um, in a way that these things often aren't. 
And when it's not as blatant as this was, there's still the veneer that maybe this is just something that people are legitimately excited about as some new uh, technology and some new valuable thing that might actually have some underlying value to it, rather than just the latest speculative bubble that is being blown up for no very good reason. And, you know, as I write this, there's a whole new speculative bubble that's being blown up about NFTs, but I'm not even going to get into that. Um, so that's all I really had to say on the GameStop point. Now, I have the long cryptocurrency rant, and I think I'll probably have to put that into the next episode because it ended up being much, much longer even than I had thought. But, you know, I've for a long time, I've not talked about this um, because... I am aware that people have very passionate feelings about it, and I think that I am pretty opinionated and people may not agree with me, and uh, I didn't want to get a load of emails to deal with, to be honest, but I did get one email from a listener who said that they wanted to hear my opinion on it, and I feel like that gave me license to finally unleash the rant that has been building for so long. And uh, when it's out, I'll probably feel a lot better, I won't have to think about this anymore because I will have covered it, and if people disagree with me and think I'm an idiot, they can send me emails and I can respond to them uh, in a more detailed way, and maybe we can have a discussion about it later on. Um, But if nothing else, I'll be uh, on the record on that, and we can move on to talking about stuff that I think is probably a lot more interesting, if perhaps a bit less uh, infuriating and visible in the discourse all the time um, than cryptocurrencies. So that will be the next episode. Thank you for listening to this Thermonuclear Takes episode from Physical Attraction. Remember, you can find us on the web at physicspodcast.com. This is the sort of newsy episode. It's not like what we normally do. If you want to find out stuff like we normally do, you can find them on the About section. There is a list of all the interviews we've done, a list of all the mainline episodes that we've recorded on topics from the birth of stars to the end of the world to the life of Stalin and uh, nuclear fusion, uh, everything in between. Uh, The Climate 201 series is still going on. Um, Anything you want to know about climate change, please get in touch with us via the contact form. Any other comments, questions or concerns, the contact form is also on the website at physicalpodcast.com where you'll find other ways to support the show, including the Patreon, where you can get access to episodes earlier than anyone else. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed already. I'll keep these final announcements brief this time. Uh, thank you to everyone who has supported the show in any way. It means a, it means an awful lot to me. It's going to help me keep this going into the future. And I appreciate you listening. Until next time then, please do. Take care.